Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everybody. It's us. Uh, it's We are starting a cult. Uh, I'm Grant Bradkey. I'm here with my confidant and partner in crime, Jake Wallen. Hello. I was waiting for you to yeah. say that. I was really waiting for you. That's no, good. Um, we're also we're today we're accompanied by uh, Mitch. Uh, you know Mitch Mitchell, whatever Mitchell Mitch Mitchellton, whatever you want to call him. That's his name. It's Mitch Mitchellton or Mitcher Mitcherson or what was Griff call me? I I can't remember. Mitcherson, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I'm not making stuff up. Um, <laughs> so just just uh, just a few. Uh, we're gonna talk shop here for a quick minute before we dive into this. A uh, few little things. This beefy ass topic that we have today. It's very beefy. Two parter for sure. But um, yeah. So, but um, anyways. Uh-huh. Uh, but chill. So we. I know you guys are tired of hearing this intro where it's literally just my voice saying hello, and I'm getting tired of hearing it too. So don't don't even worry. Um, we are currently in the process of getting an intro, and it's going to be very well done. Uh, we will we'll, we'll let you know when that happens. Obviously, you'll hear it too. Griff's actually the one doing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Big Daddy G, the he's other guy. He's a good man with some good software and a good ear. It's so going to be perfectly fine. We're all going to have a good time. Uh, I just wanted to get that out of the way right now, and uh, oh, also yeah. another business topic. Uh, we've uh, we've officially hit Instagram as well. Instagram, yes, it is. We are starting a cult. And the funniest thing is that this is the only social media where me and Jake both have dual access. We are we're both checking this daily. It's true because we true. love it. We, Aside we from like Facebook, it. but you you mostly do the Facebook. Stuff. Yeah, technically we I mean, we we both have access to all of them, but it's like. It's just what we kind of have divvied we, up it's the, like, the it's, workload. It's divvied up fifty-fifty for and now Instagram. We split it even more down the middle. We yeah, split it even more. There we go. It's perfect. Um, but yeah. anyway, go follow us on there. Yeah, give us a follow. Check out the fan mail we got. It was awesome. We got some fan mail. It was amazing. It's awesome. Uh, it's it's hanging up right here in the studio. It's the inspiration. There's a note. Yeah, Mitch. Mitch, I don't think you've seen the actual picture. It's yeah, over the picture's there. over here. It's over there, uh, close to Grant because he loves it. Check it out on uh, Instagram. It's on there, and it's a good time. <laughs> Mitch is laughing, too, because it's fucking good. It is um, delightful. Yeah, so uh, just out of just out of straight-up uh, kindness, I won't use names, but uh, you know who you are who did this, so thank you. I thank appreciate you. it very much. More than you probably possibly could ever know. I do appreciate it. So, anyways, uh, today we are moving into the world of true crime. 
We have a mammoth of a topic today. Both literally and physically. He's um, enormous. We we have another true crime episode, uh, Louis Garavito. But, uh, you know, that, that's old news. That was months ago. Old news. The most bodies ever collected? No way. This, this new time, guy. He's, he's, he's what's in. We pretty much chose this. We're going to give you a little insight onto what we did here. Um, we wanted to move into the world of true crime. So we decided that's what we're going to do. But we didn't want to pick like one of the high-profile names right off the list because it's like, come on, you know, we got to work our way up to that. You know, All we got damn movies about fucking Bundy. Yeah, Ted lately. Bundy. We're not going to be doing a Ted Bundy Oversa- episode for a little while. Yeah, we can't oversaturate the market. And you it's know? like, you know, I mean, Dahmer, Gacy, you know, they're even Ed Gein to a certain extent. They're all like way more like commonly known names. So we decided we'd te- uh, not, well, I guess yeah, we'll teach you a little bit about uh, this guy if you don't know. We um, hope to and have fun along the way. He's a little bit of a bigger name technically in the world of serial killers, and um, yeah. So why don't we just jump right into the man, uh, Edmund Kemper? How do we feel about this guy? Uh, let's let's fucking just dive right into this crazy guy. Well. As uh, as we said earlier, this guy is fucking huge. No, he's a beast. He's six foot nine inches tall. He's three hundred pounds, at least at the time of the uh, what he did. Yeah, so, back, yeah, was, yeah. Back in the seventies. Now he probably weighs more. I assume he's the same height. But um, yeah, Edmund Emil or Emil, Emil. Maybe? Yeah, sometimes his name is stupid. So I, I think it's like Emil. Yeah, uh, Edmund Emil Kemper III. Yeah, Edmund Emil Kemper III. He was born on uh, December 18th of 1948 in Burbank, California. What? what? Oh, yeah. So uh, he was known as the co-ed killer, the co-ed butcher, the ogre of Aptos, and Big Ed. And he was also known reasons. as Shrek because he's just that Shrek. fucking large. Oh, my God. But, yeah, so this guy, he's super interesting. Because, uh, well, I mean, we'll get into it more as we go, but he, at least to me, I think before we start with some of the details of, like, you know, his early life and the Upbringing crime. and all that. I, uh, to me, personally, uh, reading a lot about these different individuals that do this shit, this guy kind of stands out to me, because he's, it's very different, I think. It's, like, the... There's a lot of, like, details that I've never seen before in the case of, like, serial killers. They're very weird, uh, he's... Honestly, I'll tell you, I'm going to go on record and say this. Of the serial killers I'm familiar with, like the studying them, which, I mean, is obviously isn't all of them, but it's quite a lot. Yeah, me and you, that's, it's that's a what lot. we do very often. It's a lot of yes. names. And yes. uh, this guy has the most personality out of any of them that I've ever read. Like, it it's really just does. astonishing. And it's weird because he, he seems the most normal. And I, he I does. feel like that's the reason why he's, like, the most interesting. It's like he's such a nice seeming normal ass guy he's the guy if you went to a bar and he was sitting next to you and he was like hey do you want a cigarette he'd fucking talk to you about whatever you wanted and you'd actually have a good time yeah it'd be really weird it'd be he plays to the crowd man do some john wayne impressions but yeah so uh just something that i i just want to cover this before we actually get into him uh just a little bit about the the family that uh, pretty much raised him yeah so uh, he was the middle child and the only son. Uh, his mother was a uh, Clarnell Elizabeth Kemper. Clarnell. Clarnell, and uh, his father was Edmund Emil Kemper the second. So these two had a kid. He was the middle son. Well, the only son, middle child. Yeah. 
Um, he had two sisters, one younger, one older. Edmund Kemper's the third's father, Edmund II, he was a World War II vet, and uh, after the war, he tested nuclear weapons in the Pacific Proving Grounds, and then uh, he went back to California after that, and he was working as an electrician. Yeah. So, they, um, honestly, this is kind of just a little overview of what you're going to be seeing throughout this. Uh, Cornell, the the mother, the wife of Edmund II, mm-hmm. she would bitch at Edmund II all the time and pretty much just demean what he did for work. Yeah, and she, just she say, always like, had something smart to say about his profession. Yeah, like, your like, job is worthless, you're fucking worthless. Like, what are you doing, you're a piece of shit. Oh, she sounds like a bitch. And then, uh, <laughs> just, yep. just to give you, just, just to give you a, a little more reference as to how much of a bitch she is, this is what Edmund II said to her, or not to her, said but he about, said this on record. Yeah, his time with her. They they got divorced later on, but um, this is what he said. Yeah, this is a direct. Looking quote. back on that marriage, um, <laughs> this is his quote: <laughs> "Suicide missions in wartime." And the atomic bomb testings were nothing compared to living with her. So, that's a that's a bold fucking uh, statement to make. This dude would rather there run might suicide be like a, missions. A, yeah, a bit of like hyperbole, but still, it's like wow. Yeah. He fucking just said that. Like, and there was also another quote, wasn't it? it was uh, living with her affected him more than three hundred and ninety six days and nights of fighting on the front did. Mm-hmm. It's like Jesus, man. So this is just going to, yeah. Is this, is this Satan he married? It seems like, but what, I mean, um, it's speculated that she had, like, borderline personality disorder. So there's yeah. that. So that probably contributed a it bit to did, it who she help. was. Yeah, didn't definitely didn't help. But, yeah. but she basically hated her husband, and because Ed the third, Ed Kemper, the guy we're talking about, was kind of like him. Like, she saw him as his father, and she... Fucking hated him. Yeah. And, th- I mean, that's just a little background as to what the hell this guy was born into. I mean, like, obviously, you know, people had, you know, I mean, it, it's just the thing that happens. Like, when you're a child, like, parents are going to fight. That's, like, what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that, but this any is, healthy relationship, or in this, this case, is like not healthy. absolutely extensive fighting to the point where it's not even a relationship. It's just pure, like, hatred. Yeah. Yeah, and this is what this kid was fucking born into. So, like his mom was like, she was scary, man. Mm -hmm. She was like six feet tall. She had the borderline, not borderline. Yeah, it was borderline personality disorder. She like wasn't a violent alcoholic. It it was just not a lot. It was the trifecta of not a good time, you know. Yeah. So said it perfectly there, Jake. Thank you. Thank you. It's weird, man. And then um, so. Uh, this is we'll start you off here. I'm gonna I'll throw this one out there. Uh, this is just a little fun fact if you're interested. Uh, you know this guy's a big motherfucker, Edmund Kemper the third. I'm I'm gonna reference Ed Kemper, and that's the guy I'm talking about is the co-ed killer. Yeah. And also I will reference him as Big Ed. Just that's just what I'm oh, gonna do. Oh, of course. Do. I mean, he's. But know yeah. that uh, yeah. pretty yeah, much that all sense. talks of the father are like. I'm going to just reference him as the father now because yeah. it's kind of diluted, uh, diluted when I keep fucking saying Edmund Kemper. Yeah, just just for uh, listenability's yeah, sake. Yeah, so Big Ed, Big Ed was born when he was a newborn fucking baby. This guy weighed 13 pounds. He was enormous. That was Thank a, God his mother was six feet tall or else yeah, like, you know, oh. she, he would have ripped every other organ outside with, with him. So you know? this or, guy, or just have a C-section. 
or a C-section, maybe that might have worked. But she didn't need to. Six feet tall. It was great. By the time he was like four years old, so like, you know, preschool, kindergarten. Yeah, four or five. He was already like a full head taller. So that what, maybe eight inches taller than like most of his peers? Yeah. And uh, people noticed that he was super intelligent. Like, he was really smart. But, you know, big trope coming up here. Uh, he exhibited a lot of uh, cruelty to animals at a very young age. Yep. And yep. uh, the one that I'll bring up, I, this one I just I really want to say because I think it's it's just fucking nuts to me. Uh, so he was ten years old, right? You know, when I was ten years old, I was playing uh, Xbox and uh, playing outside, playing Nerf ball. Uh, no, this guy took uh, a family pet, the cat, buried it alive, mm-hmm. and then it died. He dug it up cut its head off, and put it on a fucking spike. It's just a family <laughs> cat, man. <laughs> so, this guy fucking... Why was this funny? <laughs> <laughs> what else are you going to do about it, Mitch? You're just going to sit there solemnly and cry? you got to laugh about these things, it's, you know? I don't know. It's just how outrageous is that this, this fucking 10-year-old kid, I understand that you're smart, but at the age of 10, you can understand. <laughs> like, this dude knew that burying a cat alive would kill it. And that didn't even give him enough satisfaction, so he fucking dug it back up and chopped its head off and put that on a spike like from a fucking movie. Yeah. yeah. Is this the first sign of him being fucked up? Not really. I think actually at the age of seven, like he had like this obsession with his second grade teacher. He uh he would like sneak out of the house at night with his dad's uh ban- bayonet. Oh, well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was at age seven. So it was before ten. But um, he would, like, sneak out of the house with his dad's bayonet and, like, go to her house and just, like, watch her through the windows. He said he, like, fantasized about murdering her with the bayonet and, like, having sex with her body at age seven. And yeah. his, yeah, his sister actually even, because, um, like, you know, it was, like, a well-known thing that he had, like, a little crush on her. And um, Who didn't have a crush on their teacher On the teacher. Point. You know, hot for teacher Van Halen right there. But, um... The sister, like, teased him about this at one point. He was like, well, if you like her so much, why don't you kiss her or something like that? And uh, he said, <laughs> this is a quote that he said when he was seven years old, if I kissed her, I'd have to kill her first. Yep. Yep. So. That's weird. So that was seven. And Age then, 10, he did that thing with the cat. Yeah, and then, I mean, and uh, we'll come back to that, don't worry. Yeah. Um, there was another cat. Yeah, yeah, there was. There was another cat. Um, Pretty much, so he's still young, right? This is, like, between the age of 7 and 13, and he used to love, like, if he talks about this pretty openly now in, like, interviews and shit, that uh, when he was a kid, he used to love playing games with his, like, younger sister. Yeah. And uh, those games were called Gas Chamber or Electric Chair. And uh, he he pretty much just regular games, you know. Pretty much what he would do. Fun and games. It's not freeze tag. It's uh, we used to play TV tag. That was very similar. Or bear. Oh yeah, bear was fun, guys. If you want to have a good time, um, I'm just going to tell you this. This is what you do. You go into a house, right? It's got a preferably a house that you're familiar with. Put a sleeping bag over your head or a blanket if that's all you have, and then you just play hide and seek slash tag. And whoever's it can't see anything. It's super dangerous. It's the most fun you'll ever have. That's, I really wish I would have done that. We should do that now. As adults? <laughs> oh, no. Gotta, be as chaos. adults. We gotta get drunk or stoned or something before we, we gotta do, do that. Something you think we won't no be? Way. But, uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's what I was doing when I was fucking this age. No, this guy, he would ask, uh, <laughs> he'd ask his younger sister to tie him up. 
and then she'd flip like an imaginary switch, and then he would just get on the floor and just fucking start jiggling and screaming. And then, <laughs> and then just pretend to die. He just eventually stops, like, all right, that was fun. That was awesome. Let's do it again. Yeah, so it, the, his relationship was weird. Uh, it is another thing that he's mentioned that I don't know if this necessarily relates to things that he's done or will do futurely, like mm-hmm. throughout the progression of our story here. Yeah. But he did have uh, near death experiences when he was a kid. Oh, yeah, he had two separate ones. And they were all from his fucking sister. I don't know if it was it the older or younger. They do don't, you know? He never mentioned. He just says his sister. He just sister. said his sister, okay. But uh, one of them. Uh, his no okay this one what well, he did mention this this was the older sister the first one okay the older sister tried to push him in front of a train yeah and that didn't work and then that same sister later okay so it was the older sister yeah for it both was of them. it okay. was I I over I kind of just glossed over that Wait, I guess hold I missed on. that you're saying his older sister tried pushing him in front of a train yes yes near death experience and then when that one didn't work she successfully pushed him into the deep end of a pool knowing he couldn't swim he almost he, fucking oh, yeah. drowned he almost died this, this whole family's fucked up dude all the women in the family are trying to kill this man and then yeah. you know what's weird though cuz i'm going to come back to the cat well this is the second cat this dude uh and this one was weird that he's 13 now yeah, and uh, this is his younger sister, the one that didn't try to kill him twice, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, and they had another family cat, right? And this cat, the way Ed saw it, was that the cat favored his little sister. Like it was probably more playful with her and stuff. Yeah, like just started hanging out with her more. So what he did is uh, he killed it and chopped it up into little pieces, and he put the pieces in his closet. Until his fucking mom found him and was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's like Ed, Edmund. But all right, all right. So before this leading into this next part, at age eight, um, his mom, like, at, at some point, like, put him in the cellar to sleep. Ugh. Yeah, like, just... every night for eight months straight. Because she was apparently afraid of, like, him, uh, like, hurting, basically, his sisters. Or, like, she, she, I think she put it so specifically to where it was, like, sexually, like, do shit to them at, at night. But um, she, like, made him sleep in the cellar every night for eight months at the age of eight. Yeah. And the cellar door was, like, a trap door that was underneath the kitchen table. And it was, like, it was held down by one of the legs. So every time they had dinner, he just, like, went down there. They pulled the table back over. He was trapped there until they let him out in the morning. Yeah, the thing. Oh, the thing I don't get about that is, so he's eight years old. It's like, is he even gonna have like a sex drive? But yeah, he was talking about like wanting to fuck his teacher. But someone so young, you know, I can't imagine would really have a sex drive. I don't think it was that. I think a lot of it was to do with the fact that. Personally, it's pretty clear that the mom doesn't like him, or at least like doesn't favor him. Mm And, I mean, just his size. Like, I mean, he wasn't as big by then, obviously. But he's, he's a fucking big motherfucker at the age of eight. Like He was bigger than everyone else in his, like, age group. Picture your average eight-year-old and then, like, add, like, a foot to that. It's fucking terrifying. Basically. It's like, so, it, I mean, she's a weirdo in general. And, I mean, he, which I think is funny, he doesn't really go into what his mom knew and what she didn't know at such a young age. But he was into some weird shit. Obviously, yeah. playing gas chamber and stalking his teacher with a bayonet. Yeah, wouldn't he have like rituals with his like sister's dolls where he'd decapitate them and shit? Yeah, and, he'd like... cut off their heads and their yeah. hands and fucking like 
just laying around. Yeah. <laughs> just like, I'm having a seance. <laughs> I was like, you're it's like, yeah, you seance. are, Edmund. But, like, leading back into, like, um, his mom, like, not knowing what his mom did or didn't know at that point, like, Mitch, to what you said, like, um, the, the stuff with his, like, second grade teacher happened when he was seven. Yeah. And at the age of eight, that's when she put him into the cellar for eight months. Yeah, so, so it's probably, I feel she probably like knew. I feel like she knew about it, you know. Yeah, she had some type of awareness yeah. of what he was into at this point. But um I feel like um and I'm pretty sure it was it was immediately following at age 13 after she found the pieces of the cat in his closet that she made him sleep down there every single night. Yeah. Every single night he was just down in this cellar underneath the kitchen table where there was just a bare light bulb hanging from a wire in the furnace. That's all he had every night. And just to go back, just to kind of give you another uh, little idea of how she felt about her son, two big details. Uh, she told Ed at like a really young age that uh, he reminded her of his father, and because of that, no woman would ever be able to love him because he was essentially a piece of shit. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, also when he was a child, she never coddled or held him once because she thought it would turn him gay. So this yep. dude, talk about nature versus nurture. This dude received no nurturing from his mother, which is probably like a huge no thing. human interaction at all, like no physical touch from any human at all. Yeah. So pretty much after all this weird stuff goes on, um, the mom and dad are split up at this time, and uh, so he's yeah, a little they, bit older. They divorced in '57, right? Yeah. So he uh, he moves with his mom to uh, Helena, Montana. Yep. And uh, the dad is lives in Van Nuys, California. So he's living mm-hmm. with the mom in Montana. And after so long, it, he's 15 years old. Uh, at this time, he's fucking six foot four inches. Yeah, so 15 year old, six foot four. He's you bigger than most imagine. people. He's bigger than anybody in this room, and he's seven to eight years younger than us. And that, yeah, and that contributed to his like his mom's like she was like, afraid. Yeah, she she was, was afraid of him at the same time as. She would just uh, like like verbally abuse and belittle him at any chance that she got. Yeah, so he pretty much Ed Kemper got tired of it, and he, I mean, later in his life, he you know looking back on this time, he was like she was just a sick, angry woman. Yeah, and he got tired of it, so he was pissed. He was leaving, and he ran away when he was fifteen. He went to find his dad in California. Yeah, so he found his dad, and his dad had remarried and had a stepson. So he stayed with his dad for a little while until the father, Ed Kemper, too, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much, the, the, he never really goes into why he couldn't stay there, but the dad shipped him off to live with his grandparents. No, it was because his, his new wife absolutely hated him. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. His, like, uh, like Ed Kemper's father, Ed Kemper, too, like, he married this woman who said that he, literally just him being in the room gave her migraines. Like, he had to go. Like, she absolutely despised him. Damn. But, yeah, so then he ended up living with his paternal grandparents. Uh, they lived on a ranch up in North Fork, uh, mm-hmm. California. So, I mean, he was still in the same area. But uh, he hated living there. Uh, he pretty much was that... Uh, but, like, I mean, he did have some things that, like, came from it. Like, he... Um... Didn't he, he, they gave him like a 22 rifle right when he got there. He joined yeah. like the Boy Scouts and all that. Mm-hmm. And like, he, well, you know, he, he, hated it. he just didn't like living with his grandparents because yeah. he, the, the grandma was very similar to his mom where it was just like, 
she was just super like dick ish yeah. to like him and the grandpa. And and it's like, you know, I mean a lot of a lot of guys end up marrying people like their mothers. Yeah. You know? So and, it was uh, similar to that. And but the grandpa was just like an old, kind of forgetful old man. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I said they 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 gave him like the twenty two rifle, but um the uh, animal abuse kept like happening, like they were on a ranch. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like they were gonna find out. They eventually took that gun away. But that really didn't do much because there's tons of guns around the ranch that he just knew where they were. Yeah, they were still in the house. Yeah, they were still in the house. They just like, all right, this one isn't yours anymore. But yeah, so this dude, it's it's weird. Uh, It's some weird shit. But uh, you know what are you gonna do? He's Ed Kemper, dude. He's he's already kind of having some struggles here. He's having problems, man. Isn't it like after he got his twenty two taken away? I'm pretty sure he knew where his grandma's forty five was. It was like in her dresser or something. Yes. And she would like find him like playing with it and shit. Mm -hmm. And so she eventually like just started taking it out with her, like putting it in her purse and just like yeah, uh, I'm leaving. I'll see you later. And then he would go look for it. It wouldn't be there. And uh, I think it was in one of his interviews. He was like, "What the hell? She didn't trust me with the gun." It's like, That's well, a smart move. I mean, yeah, considering uh, what what goes on next. Yeah. So then, pretty much, what happens next is the catalyst for what's going to happen in his life. Basically, uh, it's August twenty seventh, nineteen sixty four. So he's approaching sixteen years of age in a couple months. He's still young, and um. Him and his grandma had just, like, got into an argument over... We don't know what it was. They got into an argument, and uh, she was sitting at the kitchen table. So, pretty much, he was so pissed off that he ran away, went and grabbed the rifle that his grandpa gave him that was still in the house. Yeah, the twenty two rifle. He came back to the kitchen and shot his grandma in the head twice. No, he shot her in the back of the head once, and then once she was on the ground... Oh, yeah, yeah, he shot her He in shot the back her twice, twice in the back after that. And, and then, then he actually stabbed her three times on the floor. Yeah, well, that that is... Uh, people say that happened. I He never admitted to it, but people do say that he's, there's well, post-mortem the stab wounds on the Proof body. is in the pudding, baby. I mean... And then uh, pretty much what he did was he waited. And then uh, when his grandpa came home, Edmund, Edmund Emil Kemper, just that name, the original... Number one. The original OG. He was out grocery shopping. He ran outside, met him in the driveway, and shot his grandpa... And uh, he he really didn't know what to do. He was kind of panicking. Yeah. So what he did is, uh, not knowing any better at the age of 15, he called his mom and told him told her what he did. And she pretty much was like, you fucking have to call the cops. So he called the cops, and they came and arrested him. Yeah. You know what's, like, even, like, more sad? It, like, it makes you get, have some, like, sympathy for the grandma. Like, she obviously, like, was rude and everything and like a mean person but um uh <laughs> well i gave a little bit more uh like sympathy to her you know what she was doing while she was at the table like and he snuck up behind her what she was like <laughs> she was like reviewing a children's book that she had written that she was ridiculous. like yeah i know it's fucking ridiculous it's just like oh sweet old grandma is just going through this like nice book for children that she just wrote and uh she just got popped in the head yeah, and it's fucking, I mean, even when he, so when he gets arrested, they ask him, you know, what the fuck were you doing? And uh, pretty much what he said was that he just wanted to know what it felt like to kill his grandma. Yeah. And then when they asked him about his grandpa, he just pretty much admitted that he was like, you know, I 
I didn't want him to see his wife dead, so I thought it would just be easier to kill her. <laughs> and that's like what. So that's you know that was his reasoning that goes. for everything. I don't understand it, but that's okay. Yeah. So yeah, he, he like gets arrested after that. Obviously, like he has to, right? Pretty much. I mean, yeah. he just fucking murdered two people. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. All right. So he um, he gets sent to uh, he gets sent to court, right? And in court, he is like he's convicted of it, right? And uh, they diagnose him in court with um, paranoid schizophrenia, and uh, he's sent to a Tascadero State Hospital, where none of the psychiatrists agree with that diagnosis. Honestly, they yeah, pretty uh, much after talking to him for fucking twenty minutes, they're like, uh, "This guy's like fine." Yeah, like he has no signs of like being paranoid. He's not like seeing anything. He's not schizophrenic, basically. They diagnose, they like re-diagnose him with having personality trait disturbance and like passive aggressive, he's like a passive aggressive type. Basically, he's a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this dude, he's fucking intelligent. I mean, he's 15 at this time. And uh, they gave him an IQ, it said at like 136. Yeah, that was like right when he got there, right? Yeah, right when he got there. And then they give him another one later. And it's fucking 145. That's like... Yeah. That's higher than... Mo- that's like Mensa shit. That's like high as fuck. Yeah, isn't it like uh, like 90% of the population can't... Like, like doesn't score over 125? Uh, yeah, 125. Uh, an IQ higher than 125 is only 5% of the population. Five, okay. So... So five this guy's per- fucking... Yeah, he's a brainy motherfucker. You, you know, know, he's top 5% of the highest IQs, you know, in the world. I mean... Well, I guess it's like a hard statistic to say, but not many people have an IQ that high. It's for back then. It's for all the people who have taken the test that we know, you know. Well, yeah, yeah but still, this dude, he's... I mean, what does it say about our IQs that we didn't even know a uh, high IQ? I can honestly tell you, <laughs> I don't know what my IQ is, and I'm kind of... I don't think I've ever taken... Out. Yeah. It's probably... You think it's triple or du- double digits? I'd say mine's probably double... I hope, but I don't know. I I mean, I hope it's true. I hope to God I'm at least in the nineties or something. No, I this is my okay. This is what my mom tells me, so I don't know. If <laughs> all right, know. all right. She is my mother. But Fram. When I was a kid, they gave me an IQ test because they thought I was, uh, you know, you know, one of like yeah. Doctor Xavier or something. No, no, actually the exact opposite. <laughs> all right, but uh, they, oh, they uh, thought. Oh yeah, my IQ was like one fifteen. But I was like four years old, so, and I I've never seen the results. I've just been told that by my mother, so she could very well just be like, Holy <laughs> she's shit. just bumping the numbers she's for like, your own like self esteem. Like Forty five, and I just really <laughs> gotta make them feel better. No, so, like, you're fine. You're fine. Either way, I don't need to know what my kid is. I don't is. know, man. It, it, uh, whatever I have in my head, it's working for me right now. I'm doing yeah. fine. Yeah, you're you're but doing good. Ed Kemper is above. Fuck, he's well above average. He's above the 95 percentile of people, at least back then in the yeah, in that year. Yeah, like he's well, well established as an intelligent man. Yeah, so like in the mid-60s, because he, he killed his grandparents in the 63, August of 1963. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, you know, he, he was actually like a model prisoner when he was there. He was. He quickly, like, because he was a sociopath, like, they, for some reason, diagnosed him with that, but didn't, like, realize the fact that people like that would use, like, situations like that to gain knowledge, mm-hmm. like, while they're in there. Like, all right, so he's basically surrounded by just psychiatrists and 
criminally insane rapists and murderers. Yeah. Until he is 21 years of age, from 15 to 21, so six years. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. And, um, I mean, he was actually, like, when he was young, he was, uh, doing a lot of weird shit in prison, which I thought was funny. Uh, he actually joined the JCs, which is a leadership training and civic organization for, like, young adults when mm-hmm. he was in prison. Yeah. And he was actually, like, pretty much, he was, like, interviewing people, like, prisoners and shit. And, like, helping people with, like, the, the psychological analysis of people. Yeah, yeah. He was, like, helping people diagnose and, other prisoners. Uh, I mean, we'll get into this in part two, but this is a detail that I think is honestly kind of terrifying, and it will lead into a lot of what we talk about next yeah, week. there will definitely need to be a part two to this. There's a lot in this guy. But uh, pretty much, like, during his time working uh, at this place, uh, working with the psychiatrist and stuff, he learned a lot from, uh, like, sex offenders. And uh, the biggest lesson that he ter- took away from that, which he would actually use later in his life, yeah, was that uh, they always told him that it was the best thing to do was to kill a woman after you rape her because then you have no witnesses. And when they when he heard that... Because it worked out so well for them, right? Well, yeah, when, it, when he heard that information, like, more than once, he really, like, took that to heart. And... Like I said, I mean, we'll get into that later, but he, that was, this was the advice that this kid had growing up, was that if you're going to rape a woman, you should kill her so that no one finds out about it. Yeah. Like, this is the fucking role model shit that he had going on in his life. And if that doesn't just tell you, like, where he's going to head in the next fucking decades of his existence, then buckle up, because it's, it's just going to get a lot weirder for me. It's going to get crazy. Yeah. So... Yes. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, he like he he's like a model prisoner like very early on after that. He's like helping people with the diagnoses uh-huh. of like other prisoners and everything. He's basically a model prisoner. So, um all his psychologists like agree at the age of 21 he's released. But one of the main things that they told him and like told the state, he absolutely should not be released to his mother. Like that is a horrible idea. Like they they were just like put him in a halfway house. Put him somewhere yeah, where something. he's away from Clarnell. Yeah, the fucking you know? woman that pretty. Yeah, like I mean, well, yeah, pretty much. A lot. I was. We were kind of talking about this off, uh, off the show, like before we started. And this is. I, I have no way to prove this, but this is something that I just think is. I, I mean, psychologically, you look at so he kills his grandparents, right? Yeah. And when you really look back at what he's been through through this time, I mean, yeah, so at a young age he showed signs of, like, aggression and shit. And then, uh, his Even, mom, like, things like, of necrophilia. Yeah. Like Even his, so so far as that. His mom treated him like shit. Like, yeah. Like, that was, no, there's no way around that. She treated him like absolute shit. Which, I mean, obviously I totally understand grounding your child for chopping up the family cat and hiding it in your closet yeah but there is she probably suspected the other cat was him too there's also a definite line of like like punishment and just straight up like torture like mental abuse and um so he finally escapes that right like he finally breaks away then he goes with his dad who which is just another blow to the fucking leg finding out that your dad like remarried and has another son that he cares for and loves, and it's just like, oh, okay, well, I'm here too. And then his dad's like, yeah, you can't live here anymore. You got to go live with your grandparents. So it's like, 
I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to like make an excuse here, but I think it's like the picture is pretty clear of like why he would be so aggressive at this age. Yeah, it's like who loves me? Yeah, it's like, goddamn. The people that should be there for him at such like a young, ripe age, all but like abandon him. Yeah, and if they didn't abandon him, even his they'd sister just trying to kill him to somewhere else. Yeah. So it's like this dude didn't stand a chance, and then I mean. And then by the age of fucking 15, he's hanging out with a bunch of prisoners. Yeah. So it's like he... For he six really straight years. Yeah, you know you know, no one's fucking with him there, though. Probably not. Well, hopefully not. I mean... Well, I think it oh, was like... yeah. Honestly, probably not, because it was like a juvenile detention place for the first three years. Yeah, but... So then by then, he's, he's the top dog. And then he's going <laughs> into prison... And they're just like, man, you're fucking, you're what, six foot nine? Like, dude, <laughs> yeah. like, holy shit. Yeah. yeah, by the age of 21, he was six foot nine. That's 300 pounds. Absolutely astonishing. And then, uh, he's a behemoth. He did get a great 21st birthday present, better than any gift you could ever ask for. He was released from prison. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, Wing Bam Boom, against all recommendations of basically everyone who was around him for those six years, he goes right back to his mother. Yep. She, uh, yeah, he's living with her. And then, uh, funny enough, three years later, or well, like, yeah, almost three years later, like short, about a month, in 19, uh, November of 72, his uh, juvenile records were permanently expunged. Like, they were wiped clean. Really? And uh, the last report from his probation psychiatrist, I have the, the report here, I'll read it. Hmm. Uh, quote, if I were to see this patient without having any history available or getting any history from him, I would think that we're dealing with a very well-adjusted young man who had initiative, intelligence, and who was free of any psychiatric illnesses. It is my opinion that he has made a very excellent, or, yeah, he has made a very excellent response to the years of treatment and rehabilitation, and I would see no psychiatric reason to consider him to be of any danger to himself or to any member of society. And since it may allow him more freedom as an adult to, to develop his potential, I would consider it reasonable to have a permanent expunction of his juvenile record. End quote. Fantastic. Just uh, uh, give him to his mom and give him a gun. And it happened. He followed his parole for those, you know, three years. Uh, all of his records were expunged. Literally, it's not like they were like wiped clean. It was literally they didn't exist. Yeah, it was. It was. Like it was gone. It was redacted though. Yeah, like, it was like like back then they just like crossed it out. Yeah, it's like, it, but still, record, it like but it was like if you not looked there. at his record, the only record he fucking had was pretty much probably like uh, maybe if he had like a traffic violation. Yeah, it was only like uh, multiple homicides were not on that. They list. were not there. No, yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, he's tw- he's turning he's twenty three, turning twenty four. And by the way, what, no record. yeah. By the way, when he got released, his mom had remarried. Her, her last name was uh, St- uh, Strandberg. Strandberg. Yeah, it was Clarnell Strandberg at that point. But then she later got divorced again. I think surprise, she married. Surprise. Yeah, she married and got divorced three times. Right. Yeah, I believe something so. like that. Yeah, yeah she, I'm pretty sure. It's pretty clear looking at the. No, okay. Let me let me say <laughs> let me say this. We are all, right. all of the information we have on the mother is from a guy that's killed people. <laughs> but I also am a little bit tempted to believe him because uh, I don't know, man. Come he's, on, he seems very genuine. Yeah, he's like and he's like the sweetheart of serial. No, killers. he really is. He really seems like it, honestly. And like it for it to be 
a like a con this entire time. That is a that is the definition of a long con. If he's he's still alive. Yeah, he is. Like he's and he's held to all this stuff. I think this is a good time to bring this up. This is I I kind of have wanted to bring this up on the show for a while. Um, I've actually gotten into pretty extensive arguments with people that disagree with me on this, where they believe that you should have no empathy for people like this, like sociopaths or serial killers, and that nothing should be... Like, okay, it's hard to explain. No, I, I agree way, with you. I'm just, like, wondering who it is. Way, That's what that face was. Oh, you know who exactly Don't... who it is. Much, <laughs> yeah, probably. Pretty much uh, what people say is that, like, they know what they're doing, uh, they fucking did it, and they deserve to be killed for it. It's like some people are just my, evil. My it's argument like, well, is I completely disagree because it's like, yes, they need to be held accountable for what they did. They are human beings, and they've done it, so they need to have some accountability behind that. But at the end of the day, it's like a lot of the shit that they do, it it's stuff that they like kind of can't control in a way. It's like it's not for no reason. It's like it's you just know, this it's, impulse. It's like addiction. You know, it's like. You can sit there and blame somebody all day and be like, well, you chose to do it. But it's like, until you actually live it and you can't fight it and you just have to give in to live your life, you'll never understand what that's like. Yeah. I so was, there's a level of empathy to no, have with these people. Th- there has to be. Like, for example, uh, what's his name? Garavito? Yeah, Louis Garavito. Yeah, like his upbringing was terrible. Like, yeah. no, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. And you know, Getting with certain by circumstances, and shit and just yeah. tossed around and fucking poverty stricken, being beaten and yeah. shit. You got. I mean, again, like I said, that doesn't excuse anything or say like, oh, you need to feel sorry for him. But it's like you also try. You, you really have to try and like see it through like their life. Yeah, and like yeah. The, their upbringing caused them to do this. Same way with Ed Kemper, and, where it's like I, in a way, I'm gonna go ahead and say this just for me personally. I, when it comes to serial killers, I probably have the most empathy for him. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, like, um, off microphone, um, I, uh, I've, I've kind of felt that, like, this guy specifically, like, Ed Kemper, hit, like, what he became and, like, what he ended up doing probably had to do more with nurture rather than the nature of him, as opposed to, like, most serial killers, I would say it's probably an even split. You know, like, 50-50, yeah. like, the... Like, uh, like something that was like preconceived, like how it like in his DNA, but then also like, you know, um, uh, like even furthered by his, like his surroundings. But with him, I feel like it was mostly his surroundings. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, definitely. It's like a lot of times it's just something inside of them. Yeah. I have a lot of empathy for him just hearing uh, his story and going through it for so long. We'll, we'll definitely go into that in part two, but, uh, I'm going to, I'll get to the, before we wrap up part one, uh, I have a quote, a, a decently long quote by Ed Kemper that kind of yeah. uh, goes with what, exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Of like, it, it's not some like violent tendency he has. It's just like something that was kind of like thrust upon him at a very yeah. young age. Yeah. Now, I mean, obviously that excluding like the the animal torture and shit. But even that, you know, that could have been learned behavior or there like attention-seeking yeah. behavior. You never know. Who knows? But yeah. Um, okay, so we we talked about it. His uh, record is expunged. He's back at home with his mom, and uh, so he's staying with his mom. And uh, he started attending community college in accordance with one of his parole requirements. Mm-hmm. And uh, he really wanted to be a cop. He wanted to be a police officer, like bad as fuck. 
But sadly, he was rejected because of his size. Uh, yeah, he wanted to be like one of the guys out on the um, on parole, like pulling people over on motorcycles, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, it, we kind of talked about this earlier. We joked like, "How can you be too big to be a cop?" And like, I don't know if this is true, but just in my head, you gotta have people that can fit in the cars. No, that's true. Because yeah. this dude's six foot nine, you know, reaching three hundred pounds. Okay, back uh, Bigfoot Part One. I mentioned Shaq. <laughs> you couldn't put Shaq in a Crown Vic. Yeah, you couldn't do it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, Cat Williams has a a bit about that. Yeah, or like, how Cat Williams you... and Kevin Hart, I think. You'd have to like, you'd literally have to put them in the back of like a paddy wagon. There's no way yeah. you could just put them. It's in ridiculous. a car. It would be like that guy in The Simpsons who like Nelson like makes fun of for being in a small <laughs> car. He's just enormous. Why are you laughing at me it's while like, I'm driving my automobile? Like, Everyone has to travel, even the very tall. Hey, like that guy. It's that <laughs> boy that? who yeah. laughs at everyone. <laughs> Let's laugh great. at him. <laughs> that guy's great. But anyway, yeah. So anyway. But yeah, so he's doing that. Um, he's in school. He can't be a cop. Um, it, it, you know, th- this is kind of where he got the nickname Big Ed because he was he was so big he was denied uh, yeah, he a, was so the job he wanted. Enormous that he was Big Ed. So he actually maintained uh, like a really good rapport with the police department uh, yeah. of Santa Cruz. Yeah. I believe he would actually like hang out with them at the uh, at the the cop bar. It was called the Jury Room. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> And uh, he he claims uh, he called himself a friendly nuisance to the cops, where um, pretty much he was just like friendly with them. the The example I gave uh, actually the first time I heard about this guy, like about a year and a half ago, uh, he kind of reminded me of like the Dwight Schrute of serial killers. If, yeah, if yeah. anybody's <laughs> familiar with the Office, how he's like the junior detective or whatever. Yeah, that's kind of like the way I see Ed Kemper of like him taking it very seriously. Even though it's like it means nothing. No, yeah, one of the cops actually even get. He was like twenty two at this point, but even one of the cops actually gave him like a like a little deputy like badge and identification card. He probably wore card. that shit around like it probably was probably job. flaunted that shit and had it laminated maybe. But yes, yeah, so and then he just started like job bouncing, uh, going around. Finally, um, he couldn't get a cop, but he actually got a job at back then what was known as the State of California Highway Department. Which is now, it's just the Department of Transportation, uh, yeah. Caltrans. Um, so, yeah, he he finally had a job, at least something he was semi-interested like, in. Yeah, it was like the next best thing to what he wanted to do. And this know. is the, the quote that uh, I actually want to bring up because I think it's kind of hilarious. Um, so, while he's doing this job, he's still living with his mom. And Clarnell and him are getting really, it's getting really intense, like... A lot of their bickering is becoming like very violent. Yeah, like Not, neighbors like, would comment on like screaming matches. They would. Overhear. Oh yeah, like people were well aware that yeah. like this was going on, and they would tend to be about nothing. And like this quote, yeah. And later ahead. in his life, uh, he actually th- he's talking about one of these arguments, and this is his direct quote. And it, it I'll I'll comment after. Uh, quote: My mother and I started right in on horrendous battles, just horrible battles, violent and vicious. I've never been in such a vicious verbal battle with anyone. It would go to fists with a man, but this was my mother, and I couldn't stand the thought of my mother and I doing these things. She insisted on it, and just over the stupidest things. I remember one roof razor was over whether I should have my teeth cleaned, end quote. 
roof razor, eh? And it's like yeah. you can almost hear this man telling you. No, this yeah, story. I was I was about to comment. The way that you just read that, it sounds a lot actually like how he speaks, just very genuine and like, well, you know, yeah, it's very like like bubbly, like the cadences are like so pleasant and like nice. Yeah, like this dude. I mean, just the yeah. way he talks about it. Yeah, he sounds so wholesome. He does. He and does. And even in all his interviews that are on, like, record, I think um, he's, like, uh, he's up there with, like, the most, like, interviews of any, like, serial killer, too. Oh, yeah. No, this like, dude, you can go on YouTube, man. It's, like, over, like, five hours or something. There, oh, there's a stupid amount of interviews. Yeah. I've watched a lot of them just by myself at 12.30 at night during the weeknights, uh, sitting in my room eating popcorn. You know, classic, watching classic hours nights. of Ed Kemper just talk to the cops. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. I thought that that quote really kind of... without Encapsulated. Without his, uh... going into later quotes and like much more absurd things he said. Yeah, we'll get into that in part two. But... It's one of those <laughs> things where you kind of get a feel for who this guy is. I mean, after everything he's been through... He's still, like, he doesn't want to have these fights. And, like, even like he said, like, if this was with, like, a man, uh, he probably would have tried to beat the shit out of him. Yeah. But he was like, you know, to him it was like, well, that's, like, my mom. I would never do that to my mom. He said on multiple occasions, like, he, his mother hated him. He kind of hated his mother, but he couldn't stand the idea of him and his mother. Like, he couldn't stand the idea of, like, not loving his mother. Yeah, exactly. So he would just constantly try. So he was trying... And I mean, just just for one minute, just think of the balls on that woman. Like, I know that that's your son, but this guy went to prison for murdering his grandparents, and he's six foot nine, <laughs> three hundred pounds, and he's friends with a bunch of cops. And you're gonna get into a screaming match with him every night, like that. <laughs> that takes some balls. Like that is nuts. That Man. is ridiculous. But yeah, so she knows what she wants. After these fights kept uh, continuing on and things like that, he started saving up some money, and when he finally had enough, he moved out to live uh, with his friend. And uh, pretty much he was happy for a little while until he realized that he couldn't escape his mother. Yeah, she ended up just, like, randomly calling all the time and randomly showing up, but she just would not leave this guy alone. Yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, he was technically now on his own and, like, living his life, and she, for everything that she was and hated him, she didn't want him to leave. So, like, she would essentially beg for his attention, whether it be, yeah, on the phone or just showing up at the door and just... Begging in the form of verbal abuse that he's, you yeah. know, gone through all his life, but... But, yeah, so this She is... was always there. She was a constant presence. So, pretty much, this is... This is, like, the beginning of him kind of realizing that there is no escape from his mom. Basically, yeah. And he, uh, you know, he's he lives on his own for a little while. Then he kind of runs into some money issues here. And uh, pretty much it was in and out. Like, he'd live with his mom. Then he'd save up some more money and move back out. Yeah. Uh, run out of money and move back. You know, he did that quite often. Like, he'd yeah. go back and forth. And it really wasn't over that long of a period of time. Like, this is all within, like, a year yeah. So like, yeah, I he mean, was he was in and out very quickly. But like during that time, wasn't it that uh, it was during that time that he bought a motorcycle, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, th- it's actually the same year. Yeah. He's still working for the highway department. Uh, th- just before uh, we'll get into that in one sec, he actually started dating a sixteen-year-old high school student. Yeah. Yeah. And can't, I mean, you can't do that. I don't think even back then. I don't. Think I so. don't know. I, you probably can't. Well, I mean, Jimmy Page got away with it. 
I think he but could. He was a rock star. He was That's a rock different. star. That you know. I mean, hey, I we, don't think Ed Kemper is a bit of a rock star based on what no. we've been what saying. What is it? We live in Indiana, so uh, we do. You got to be sixteen on parent parent consent, but sixteen is legal. Indiana's kind of behind the times. Hey, um, this is California in like nineteen seventy one or seventy. I agree. So like, with this you. is like you know who knows sixteen was hey, fucking eighteen. Hey, at this point, being gay was still like a mental disorder. Yeah, like nothing. Everything yeah, has been changed. Right. Things were still then. things were still you know behind at that point. You know, and you know, I think I'm was... just embarrassed that yeah. <laughs> it was brought up in modern times that it's yeah. still okay to <laughs> do that in Indiana. <laughs> And, uh, but, uh, yeah, go ahead. You know what else was except? No, we'll, we'll talk about that later. So, uh, yeah, the motorcycle, the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, motorcycle. Uh, yeah. So pretty much, he buys himself a motorcycle, and uh, he's just—I don't know—he likes it. I guess he's just fucking hanging out. Yeah, he bought it mostly because you know, like he wanted to be like a cop, like out there, like pulling people over on the motorcycle. He couldn't, so he's like, "All right, next best thing, I'll just buy one and ride around." Yeah, so he's riding around. And then one day he's riding it around, and uh, he just bought—I uh, believe he upgraded. He bought like a new, like a newer model or a fancier yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's driving around, and he actually got into an accident. And um, it was he, totally his fault. He, he, <laughs> like, he fucked up his arm like real bad. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he actually, you know, sued the driver of the car that hit him or that he got no, that- an accident with. And uh, he won a settlement of $15,000. That was the second motorcycle that he bought, actually. Because the first one was his fault, and the second well, yeah, one, yeah, it that, wasn't his fault. Yeah, okay, okay. That's like, it, was, he bought to... two separate motorcycles and crashed them both on the oh, second. See? Yeah. I didn't know that he crashed the first one. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it was, and it was totally just like, he's too fucking big. He shouldn't be on a fucking yeah, motorcycle. Like he shouldn't there you be go. doing yeah. that. You learn yeah. something every day. Thank you for thank you for that one. I yeah, no problem, didn't know that. no problem, baby. But okay, so the, the second time he gets in another accident that one wasn't his fault um yeah so then pretty much he gets 15 15 grand uh in a civil suit and he buys a car a ford galaxy a 1969 ford galaxy and it's yellow yeah so he's he's cruising dude he's fucking living the life he's living la vida loca he's having a fucking grand old time at the opera and pretty much this is this kind of goes back into him serving time in prison, where he missed the like he missed the, the early spin of the hippie movement. Yeah, he basically like, didn't have an adolescence. His adolescence was, like I said, spent around like middle aged men offenders. and like sex offenders and rapists. So this so guy, like, oh my god, he didn't really quite understand the idea of like the hippie movement, if you will, mm-hmm. and like the hitchhiking that kind of was like new to him, and. uh he, as he was driving around, he noticed that like a large amount of women were hitchhiking, and uh, and uh, a large reason is like why he was noticing all these like young women because where he was living with his mom, it was a it was in Santa Cruz, yes. California, and she was actually like um, in charge of the administration office, yeah, or she the, was a part of the administration she, office yeah, of she was a the administrative assistant at the University of California. Yeah, it was like a satellite campus of the main one mm-hmm. in Santa Cruz. So he was driving around, and uh, he noticed that it was kind of exciting to him in a way, back to like his childhood where the mutilation of animals kind of enticed him a little bit as well. Yeah. And uh, he started putting, like, storing stuff in his car, like uh, like plastic bags, knives, uh, blankets, handcuffs. He had a twenty two like pistol. Yeah. You know, all the stuff you'd keep in your car. And then... No, just the normal stuff. Yeah. 
So he was actually just like a, a generally nice guy at this point. Other than don't look at the trunk. He's got some weird stuff in the trunk. Don't look in anyone's trunk. But he started just picking up girls and driving them around. He was uh, he was hitchhiking. Or he was being the driver to hitchhikers. He was he was the guy. What's the verb for the guy that drives hitchhikers? Hitchhikery? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> hitchhikery. But so he, according to him, he says that he picked up damn near 150 hitchhikers. Just like just being friendly, just driving around doing it, meeting people, and then uh, after that, he felt homicidal sexual urges when he would pick up these hitchhikers. Yeah, there was a yeah, because he didn't have an adolescence, you know. He like he was he was it, him picking up hitchhikers was kind of a way of him trying to get to know the youth in a way. Yeah, and like catch up in a way. And you then, know what I mean? Now this is funny. Um... It's, this is a fun thing. You'll see. I don't know. I I, I know for a not. fact. I think I'm the only person here in this room that's watched the show Dexter. No, I've seen some episodes. But uh, I, if I can remember correctly, if I'm wrong, somebody correct me. I'm almost positive. The like the urges that he had to kill, he called it like his dark passenger. Yeah, and it's like I, very poetic, I think something like that. Yeah, and uh, these urges that Edmund Kemper felt. He called them his little zapples. <laughs> so just to chalk that one up to who this guy is. It sounds like a grandparent describing like chicken pox or something. <laughs> you got the little zapples, honey. The little zapples. I just I just have these urges. And uh, so yeah, he picked up around 150 hitchhikers, and then he started getting these little zapples, and he lived with it for like a very brief period. And then uh, he started acting on these little zapples. And uh, <laughs> that's where we'll revisit in uh, part two. Yes. That is... <laughs> that, that'll be for next week because this has been a lot. Just part the setup. Two, we want you guys just to have a thorough understanding of like where this guy came from, what he did, and a little bit about his personality before we get into what will be some very extreme and grisly scenes. Yeah. And I'm talking, um, if you're familiar with uh, the things that are in pop culture, like the, let's say you watched, uh, was it like the, the Bundy tapes or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that Zac Efron multiple yeah. adjectives in a row If you watch that, if your mentality right now is, I watched that, and that was, that was really interesting, and I could handle it, get fucking ready. Because Ed Kemper makes Ted Bundy look like a very wholesome serial killer. It is very true. And actually, the stuff that Ed Kemper tended to do was the kind of stuff that they left out of the Ted Bundy tapes, which I was yeah. kind of disappointed about. But you'll find yeah. out about that next week. Yeah, they're, uh, without any spoilers, um, next week is going to be a very dark episode. If you've listened to Louis Garavito and thought that was dark, get ready again yeah because yeah, it's yeah. going to we'll get... probably have a lot more to say about this one too we're like very in-depth in the story like i've kind of re-fallen in love not with him but with the story no i'm telling like, you there's so many interesting things about interesting, yeah like serial killers that i think has ever existed only because the the magnitude of his crimes i mean and like i said we'll cover that next week you'll see kind of what i mean here but the way that he carries himself, even just what we talked about today, like murdering his grandparents and like just rebuilding his life at the age of 21 yeah. and just like being a citizen again and just his personality and the way he like reacts to situations, 
it's super unique to yeah. like anybody in this field. Yeah. It really is. The juxtaposition from like what he did to who he seems to be is insane. insane. No, it, it is, is it's, nuts. It's absurd. I almost. It's I like, like it's like Satan to Jesus. This is like what this is. He a seems bit. like he seems like a really nice guy. I which is surprising. I will tell you this. This I, is the Sahara to a penguin's house, man. It is nuts. I really love doing this show, researching and doing all this stuff. No, me stuff. too. It's fucking I it's a lot of fun. Can I've never been more excited for an episode than part 2. No, because it's going to be fucking nuts. It's going to be everything that I like. It's going to be the things that I would bring up in small talk with people that people will just look at me and be like, why the fuck are you talking about Yeah, the about things this? that tend to make people never come back to your home. Like... You're going to have to give a warning at the beginning of the episode. I feel Honestly, like. yeah. This is the warning. No warning for them. What? It's like you, you have to watch You know what? If, you, if you're listening to all the stuff. You got the warning. Here it is. Warning. Yeah, no, warning be good. for next week. But I hope you enjoyed uh, the little intro to Ed Kemper. Um, get a little bit of detail on his life. Um, obviously, I can't stop anybody from listening to this and reading more. But we're going to have some very good information coming next week. Some uh, just real intense stuff. But we're also going to, in a, in a sense, I let's just say this. I hope that you enjoy dark humor. Because Strap in. Strap in, guys. It's going to be good, and it's going to be informative, more than I think you're ready to handle. Lots of lots of stuff going on. It's not good, but it's going to be talked about next week. Hell yeah. So thanks for uh, joining us on part one of Ed Kemper. The truth must come out. No, oh, yeah, the, it the will tr- be here. Bitch, the truth has been out f- for years. <laughs> What? <laughs> Years. What? Actually, no, Are no. Are you joking? Decades, actually. Decades. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so but yeah. Thanks uh, for tuning in, guys. I'm I mean, uh, like, um, Brad Key. I'm Jake Wallen. Um, follow us on all the shit. Like we were saying, we have like an Instagram page. It's We Are Starting a Cult, and uh, follow us on Twitter, Start a Cult underscore Pod. Um, Facebook, you know, uh, go to our lips page. It's like uh, We Are Starting a Cult. Uh, backslash lipson.com or something like that. Yeah. Um, something like that. Check us out. Like I said, go on the Instagram. Um, Want to give a huge shout out again for the fan art. That was, was fantastic. Amazingly beautiful. And uh, yeah, so check it out. We posted that because uh, how could you not? It was just wonderful. How could you not? Also, email us. Startacult yeah. at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. Tell us. Uh, give us some feedback. Give us some topic ideas. Give us anything. Yeah, whatever. If you guys have Whatever you feel you like saying. Hear, Reach out personally. I, I know I've talked about this like off mic with Jake. I've had a few people that listen to the show that like suggest things, and they're they're good suggestions. Like yeah, pr- pretty much. I'll tell you this: if you if you if you're listening to this right now and you've talked to me personally and suggested something, just know that it has been brought up in conversation. It is logged in our in our memories. More than likely, be mentioned and or covered as a full topic on this show. Itself. Don't even worry. We got we got like a little. Uh... Thing going on. Don't even worry. We're going to get to it. Vault of information. Yes. But yeah, so uh, cool. Thanks. Uh, I'm Grant. I'm out, y'all. I'm Jake, and that's Mitch. Yeah. Toodaloo. We love you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.